Whatever they call you, I'm coming after you, you coward! Welcome to another episode of Broken But Glorious. I'm Chris Lappin, and joining me this week, I've got the world's cutest tag team, Nick Davey and Oliver Newman. How you doing this evening, lads? <laughs> I'm all right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing good, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, Oliver, um, I read on Twitter that you're thinking of working on a third book. Yeah, sure. working on it, as we speak. Yeah. Uh, the writer's block, there, so... Can you yeah. release what it's going to be about, or...? Um... It's going to be about my live experience of WrestleMania 24, I think. Mm. Yeah. That sounds good. But if I, if I write it the way I want to write it, it'll be very personal and very raw. So I'm kind of, uh, excuse the pun, wrestling with whether to do that or not. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> right, so join us shortly for the review of Hell in the Cell. We have former wrestler Atlee Green. Who's now a promoter and a commentator with Northeast Championship Wrestling in Massachusetts? Um, he's also the host of my favourite ever podcast, the Body Slam Podcast. And he has interviewed some of the biggest names in the business, such as um, Teddy Long and Roderick Strong. But before we get into the review, um, have you lads been to any shows recently? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've been to some as well. Do you want to tell us about them? <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick, do you want to go first? Uh, I went to the uh, went to the, the rip shop. Riptide show, Riptide the Storm. Uh, the best part about the show, <laughs> the best part about the show was the uh, was the incredible new ring announcer uh, called the Mullet Man. <laughs> I, start, uh, I, start, I start following him on Twitter today. Yeah, he was absolutely yeah. Because I don't know if you saw my tweet phrase. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but no, another great show. Uh, really do enjoy the Riptide shows, not just because it's on the doorstep, uh, but can be on more of my doorstep than my work. It's about twenty seven more for my work to to the top but no it's uh it's just a, it's a really quality night um so headlined by the swords of essex will osprey and paul robinson taking on the uh south coast tag team um yeah including ashley dunn and carl fletcher um really really good um really great uh main event match um other shout outs as well um pete dunn making a surprise appearance to be tra- uh, to be um Chris Brooks' partner, due to the injured Lycos, um, uh, taking on the Aussie tag team. Uh, names I don't know. Apologies. Um, and um, yeah, no, just a, a generally very good night. And obviously, we've got the next show in, uh, in uh, four weeks. Are we in pretty previous time now? First uh, November, uh, Riptide Point Break. It's going to be uh, a main event match consisting of Jimmy Havoc versus Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee. So it's amazing. Good main event. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Oliver, what show have you been to recently? Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention this on the last one, so apologies for that. But I've been to a couple of pro wrestling subjective shows. Uh, the, the first one happened on the 10th of September. Uh, and just to quickly summarise that, it was basically about the judge, jury and the executioner. And the main storylines of that show was the judge was warned to not powerbomb uh, Liam Perrin's valet, uh, the princess of the playlist LJ, and he gave her a, a devastating powerbomb, which 
look to all the attendance that, you know, she could have a broken neck here kind of thing. Uh, luckily, you know, she's just winded, which is absolutely amazing based on the, the viewpoint I had of the ring. Uh, the judge has been indefinitely suspended, uh, and that was that was kind of the major storyline from, from that show. Uh, you know, match quality-wise and stuff, just a good, fun, family-friendly show, really. Uh, and and from a, a personal perspective, I sold a couple of books on that show, so yes. that, was, that was pretty good. And then there's been another pro wrestling subjective show, and that one was on uh, just bear it on a second, the first of October, and it had a, a comedy match for the ages. Basically, it was the metrosexual Danny Devine against uh, Liam Perrin. I'm just looking his. Uh, party time, Liam Perrin, and basically there was a there was a uh, a thing in the match where uh, Liam Perrin gets the fans to do a conga, yeah, and obviously he's got a, a, an iPod shuffle kind of thing. So the metrosexual Danny Devine took the iPod shuffle off him, started playing all these songs, and they were doing the dance moves. And the absolute highlight was when they were. Uh, doing the dance moves to oh, I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the, I'm hoping they upload it to YouTube. I've, I've asked nicely, so hopefully they do. And then basically from there, uh, Divine with a distracted pairing, uh, hitting with a Metro kick and won the match. Um, and then in the main event, the, the guy that I talked up on the British wrestling show, uh, the outlaw Jesse Jones, had a really, you know, strong performance against uh, a guy who's, you know, a bit of a veteran on the UK scene, mm. uh, simply sensational Saul Adams, and he retained his title. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of me summarising the main points. Obviously, there was a number of matches that happened, but you know, you want to keep this short and concise, don't you? So, uh, once again, two good family-friendly shows, and uh, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I went. I went to All Star All Star Super Slam Wrestling, another great family show with my son. Um, the open match was uh, former WCPW Internet Champion Gabriel Kidd teamed with Spider Man. He beat two unknowns. Unfortunately, I didn't catch their names, but it was a fun opening match. And then it was WWE UK Championship Tournament star Tyson T Bone beat Ringo Riot. Cheated by putting his feet up on the rope. Um, got lots of heat. Um, Defo match of the night was one of England's most underrated wrestlers, um, James Mason. Um, he took on former NXT tag team champion Oliver Gray. Went to a double count out, but it was a really, really, really good match. And then um, Dean Armark beat Harlem Bravido for the to win the British Super Slam Championship in the four count anywhere match. It went all over the place. It was amazing. Kids were just following them around the arena. <laughs> um, last match was uh, was probably the worst match of the night. It was a comedy match between Little Legs, who's a free foot luchador, who was apparently in all the Harry Potter films, but I haven't seen them. So, <laughs> so he went up against this big hairy ginger bastard. Who's, <laughs> I think his name was Badman Hanson, but it was it wasn't I good. Was it was name for him to be honest, Chris. <laughs> That made me it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a good night match. Should have just left on the championship match. It was good to feel feel good moment for because um, Dean all marks on the world. That's where I'm from. So, so to win the championship in his hometown, I think. But 
also want to thank um, Dean Allmark, Oliver Gray, and um, Gabriel Kidd for recording promos for us. Um, I interestingly, I asked T-Bone, but he said the WWE won't let him record things, so I don't know whether he must be still in the contract with them at the moment. I was just going to say about the reports, uh, Chris, they're on my Medium website if you're wanting to check out the full report kind of thing. Yeah, I can put the, the links in the description. This is Oliver Gray, and you're listening to Broken Performance. Alright, so I've got a, a few stories I want to discuss before we get into the review. So in an, a recent interview with ESPN, Charlotte said she wants to wrestle Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Um, Nick, would you like to see this match? Well, uh, it would certainly set a line that uh, would get the FC everyone in to get mainstream people who want it, maybe not even into wrestling to watch, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I've got Twitter followers are a bit torn on this because only 55% of them voted yes, yes, yes. They'd like to see this match. Um, so according to PW Insider, Hangover star Bradley Cooper has been offered the role of Vince McMahon in the upcoming Hollywood film Pandemodium. Um, Oliver, do you think Cooper would be a good Vinnie Mac? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I just... No, I don't know. In honesty, um, he's a really good actor. Um, you know, I've enjoyed him in like Limitless and you know the Hangover films and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure who could play Vince McMahon really, except for the real, the real man. What what time period would you want the film to be set in? Because I don't think the, like, script, the script's I'd, been released yet. So. Yeah, I, I'd like it to be in you know his whole life. To be honest, I, I want a real. Um, like documentary kind of thing about Vincent Man. Forest for, for Gump, but it's four hour episodes. Yeah, it make it, you know, well, even if it's a two hour thing in, in cinemas, you know, you put the extras on the Blu ray, don't you? So, it's all good. Yeah, Nick, what um, time period of Vincent Man would you like a film about? Uh, sorry, mate, you just repeat that. I said, what, what time period of Vincent Man would you like to see a film about? Yeah, I agree with uh, Oliver there, I'll, I'll do it. I'd like it the the build up to WrestleMania one. Maybe start when he signed Hogan from AWA and then finish climax with you know, WrestleMania one and just talk about the build in the between. How how he got Mr. T involved, how did he get um, Cindy Lauper involved? He doesn't need to do the your fire thing now, because you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> right, um also um, it's been announced that um, Wargames is returning at NXT. It will be Sanity versus the, the Undisputed Era, which I still hate. Dishonored. Easy. Easy name. Dishonored. Versus the author of Pain and Roderick Strong. Um, anyone want to try attempting the rules to War Games? I'm hiding under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about leaving the room, but, you know, both can't leave this part of the conversation. I think... Wi-Fi's gone. 
I think I pulled it off too early. <laughs> Uh, this is the one where there's like a, um, what's it called? There's like a look, there's a drawer, isn't there? And, and the one team gets in, and there's like one on one, two on one. I've, ne- I've never seen a triple threat one, so I don't know if three people start. I have no idea how so, a triple threat one's going to work. Um, well, it, there's two rings side by side, and they have a massive cage over the top. Yeah. Usually two people start, and then five, for five minutes... Yeah. Then every two minutes, another team member comes out. Yeah. And you can only win by submission or knockout. But the thing is, regarding this match, though, and the participants in it, it's really random, isn't it? Unless something happens on next, you know, unless it's really explained on NXT in the coming weeks, this is a really random match. Are you disappointed the strong style didn't get involved? Because they're kind of they're they're a three man team. Yeah. I'm I'm a week behind NXT to be honest, so they haven't announced uh, it on the NXT I yet. I don't read the spoilers, so um, I just knew about the the War Games returning. So, do, do you think um, Roderick Strong's inclusion shows it's going to be a heel turn? He'll join with um, Cole and friends. Uh, he could do. Just seems oh, pretty random throwing him with the Authors of Pain. Uh, could do. It makes sense given the history between the three, three, now four men. Hey, so, Oliver, you wanted to discuss the launch of the Global Fighting Network. Yeah, just just a bit of news that, that came through us. The, the Global um, Global Wrestling Network, I think it's called, and it's it just it has like Impact Wrestling on it, and it's got um, some classic wrestling on it, uh, like superstars of wrestling. I think there is. And the, there's like independent wrestling as well. So I think there was Smash Wrestling and Border City Wrestling the last I, I saw when I checked out the, the website today. There's been concern about it on, on social media saying that it's like, um, an unsafe website to use and stuff. Yeah. So that's concerning. Um, and I don't think they've got enough content to have launched this this app really based on, on what I've seen but it's only the first day and we'll kind of see what happens going forward. I wouldn't mind going back and watching the really early TNA NWA like weekly pay-per-views. Some of them really sound really good from back there. I've not seen many of them. So I think I've seen the first ever one. Really but the, the wrestling channel was in the UK, wasn't it? Between 2004 and I think 2006, maybe mm. seven, and they used to show the uh, the early TNA pay-per-views, and you know you had matches like Jerry Lynn against AJ Styles, a full-on full-fledged feud between the two as well. Um, so yeah, there was some amazing stuff. There was some terrible stuff on it as well. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, the X Division was amazing. Um, AJ Styles going for the, the heavyweight title and then AJ and Jerry Lynn being tag team champions and stuff. So there's a lot of gems in the early TNA uh, weekly pay-per-views which uh, are definitely worth, you know, checking out. Oh yeah! It's Macho Man Randy Savage, and every week I listen to the Action Now Premier League podcast on V2 Football. 
with missiles before you snap into it. Dig it! And we're delighted to be joined for this review by Mean Biggie Green, Atley Green. How are you doing this evening, Atley? I am well, and yourself? I'm very well, thank you. So, um, very well, thanks, Atley. Very well, thank you. Right, so Atley is a former independent professional wrestler um, from the Massachusetts area, and um, currently promotes shows in the Massachusetts area. So, um, Atley, um, how long have you been a fan of great sports? I have, I have been a fan of professional wrestling since I was seven years old. I can actually trace back my fandom to the day before SummerSlam 1988. I was Ooh. channel surfing yeah. as a little kid, and all of a sudden... I saw a promo with the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, talking about how they're going to thwart the Mega Bucks, DiBiase <laughs> and Arctic Giant. Yeah. And I had to be there. I just had to watch that show. I had to see these good guys conquer these evil doers. Yeah, because that was a that was a brilliant storyline. It was like a year long storyline of the Mega Powers blow off match at WrestleMania six, was it? WrestleMania five. WrestleMania five, yeah. Um, so, have you ever had a lapse period of being a fan? Is it, or, or you been um, a, fan a little bit of a lapse period. Like, when I actually started uh, wrestling more on a consistent basis on the independence, I was kind of more focused on crafts and what was going on in the independence scene as opposed to keeping up with what's going on on television. Of course, I heard the results and I was informed of the big major storylines, but. Uh, that was the only times that there was really a, like a lapse in my fandom. Yeah. Just because it's kind of like with you work at a pizza place all day, you don't want to eat pizza when you come <laughs> home. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I, my, my, I miss, I miss the attitude. Uh, that's when I stopped watching wrestling. <laughs> I only got, I only got back into it when my son got back, to, got into it in about 2010. So. The crazy thing about the attitude era for me is when I went through school, like wrestling was definitely not the cool thing to watch. Everybody made fun of you, and there was a lot of closeted wrestling fans where they would say, like, oh, I watch wrestling, but if somebody actually confirmed them in front of a large group of people, nobody would admit it. And it was around the Attitude Era time where it was actually cool to be a wrestling fan, where you didn't have to hide the Austin 316 shirt you were wearing under your jacket. You could openly and freely talk about raw results and nitro results in the hallways, and that was definitely a fun time that I hope will come back again someday. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so you've been the host of my favourite podcast ever, the Bobby Slam Podcast, um, and you've interviewed some of the biggest names in the business. Um, who are your favourite interviews? I definitely liked uh, interviewing Roderick Strong. Technical application to his craft when you see him work in the ring. Um, talking to uh, Smith Hart, who recently passed away. Yeah. Um, t- talk about the uh, Stampede Wrestling days, because those are some brutal days where there was a lot of work. The pay wasn't the best if you weren't a member of the Hart family or the regular Stampede crew, but it was, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of good matches. The crowd was always hot, and uh, they had a lot of legendary names that came through Stampede uh, before they made their name in WWE or elsewhere, so it was fun listening to those stories. And then, of course, talking to my man Teddy Long recently, right yeah. before he went to the uh, WWE Hall of Fame, and it was funny, because we interviewed him about a week beforehand, and I asked him, like, who do you want to be the people inducting you to the Hall of Fame? I mean, do you get a choice, or does it, does it get thrust in the party? And it was funny, he said he wanted Vince McMahon to induct him, because Vince McMahon was always a big fan of his work. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a couple days before the actual Hall of Fame ceremony, it was announced that Bradshaw and Ron Simmons 
ruined actually Dr. Holiday, so I thought that was pretty funny. I understood Ron Simmons and Dr. Them. I never got Bradshaw. So just because, well, it made sense of us. Well, because he, he managed them when the old members are doomed, didn't he? But I never got why Bradshaw inducted them. Well, I also think they did that because they're friends. They're actually friends behind the scenes. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why they traveled the road together. So that's another reason why they figured just the whole the APA connection and Ron Simmons. They figured, why not? Yeah, they, they, they always the famous stories of him being a bit of a cheapskate when when it was, it was time to pay the bills. He would always fall asleep or disappear. <laughs> It's funny, because we kind of called him on that, like, off the air, yeah. and he actually said, he's like, he's like, now hold on, player, <laughs> and he said that, that was emphatically, he categorically denied being a cheapskate. He always said once he heard the rumors, uh, he'd do whatever he could to just offer money ahead of yeah. time before <laughs> people drove, and then they would say, no, no. I've, I've read on the cagematch.net, uh, at the that one of your trainers was Brutal Barber Evans, is that correct? That is correct. Um, I was actually in the first class of students that Bob trained back in April of 2000. Okay, and I was just wondering because of how many people he's helped over the years, look, what was a uh, you know a typical day's training like with, with Bob Evans as your trainer? Well, you'd always get the weeding out period where Bob would want to see if you really cared about the business. That was the first thing, because Bob has a lot of passion for the business. And I think anybody that talks to Bob that knows Bob, or Bob himself today would admit that years ago, he got angry very easily. And now he's at peace with himself. He doesn't let things bother him nearly as much as they did a few years ago. Um, like, for example... He would always talk to us about, you know, make sure you walk into the locker room and you put your bag down and you shake everybody's hand. It's a sign of respect. And I remember my second training session, I didn't shake his hand or the assistant trainer's hand because they were talking. And, of course, I was always brought up to believe, you know, don't interrupt people while they're talking. So I figured I would shake their hand before class started, but I never got to, because as soon as they were done talking, um, he started class, and then he immediately pointed out in front of everybody that I didn't shake his hand, and he just made everybody do a million squats, you know, a million rope drills, and everything else in between, and it almost made you want to quit, but he just really wanted to make sure that that you learn the business, but also that you respect the business. Yeah, I can understand uh, that, that kind of... Uh, old school mentality, isn't it? You kind of you're protecting uh, how you believe things should be, and that's kind of one of the major things in in wrestling, isn't it? About respect for a person, and obviously, a person's body's in your hands when you're in the ring, so it all kind of makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's also much more than that too. Because like when somebody lays down for you. And if you over, they're really doing a favor for you, which is why they call it doing the favors, because you're giving the illusion that that guy, you know, kicked your butt. So it's a timeline tradition, and you should really be appreciative of the fact that somebody was willing to lay down for you, like, no matter what stage of the business you're in. And he always really just kind of just drilled into us how you have to be really appreciative of that. Another thing Bob is really also good at is just, like, the little things, like how to hold the headlock properly, and also, like, uh, when you get bounced off the ropes, um, and you get the guy gets shot off the headlock, 
he always hates it when people just stand there and say, charge at the guy, because if this was a real fight, you wouldn't just stand there, you'd charge right at him before he get knocked down. And there's just so many little things that he would point out. And also, he's great at developing characters, too. Like, of course, when I first started, I thought I was going to be, like most people, I was going to be a badass-type character wearing black and red, but then I ended up wearing purple and gold and pulling an afro pick out of my large hair and stabbing people in the eye with it. So, <laughs> so it's definitely a great change of pace. It opened my eyes a lot to, you know, how wrestling should be as an art form and an entertainment platform. And um, you said you're in the first class, that Bob, uh, Brutal Bob, uh, sorry, Brutal Bob Evans uh, conducted. Is there any famous names that us guys would know um, from that uh, class that have gone on to bigger and better things? Uh, not out of that class, uh, because but just to give you kind of an example, there were 35 people that started in that first class and on uh, day one, and by the time uh, five months later we had our first professional wrestling match, there were only 10 people left, so a lot of people got weeded out. And then um, later on, um, when his school got bigger and he got more people, he eventually ended up training uh, Mike Canales, who you see on WWE TV. Yeah. And he also had a really big hand in training Moose, who you see on TNA, slash uh, Global Force, slash Impact, slash whatever their name is this week. Because <laughs> uh, Bob does a lot of touring for Ring of Honor currently, and he also does a lot of scouting for them as well. And when they do their trial camps, He's a big fixture of how those tryout camps are run, and when they signed Moose, he had a very big hand in Moose's development as a worker. So that a lot of credit to Moose and you know, what he's become as a professional wrestler. Give me credit to Bob Evans as well. Awesome. Thanks very much for answering my questions, Anthony. No problem. All right. So we'll 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 discuss more about your career as the show goes on. But um, but first, Nick, did you watch the pre-show? <laughs> I did this time. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> Finally watched well the show match, yeah. Did you enjoy um, the Gable and Benjamin and Hate Bro match? Yeah, I, thought, I thought it was a pretty good pre-show match. Uh, I thought uh, Gable's class, um, uh, again, I think the boy's talent says he's going to be going places for sure in, uh, in WWE. Um, and I, I really am enjoying him and Benjamin being together. Probably more than I thought I would, actually. Uh, uh, but no, I thought it was a, it was a very, very good pre-show match. Um, and I'm liking the build towards the uh, the high bro split as well. Yeah, did you hear on um, Wrestle Ramble they they keep calling him American Beta? Do you think that's a good name? But <laughs> 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 right, um, Lee, would you like the high bros to break up, or do you think SmackDown needs more heel tag teams? So probably turn on the heel be a better thing. I think there is uh, some upside on Mojo Raleigh being a singles wrestler. He has a lot of intensity in the ring and outside of the ring. And I think that's something to be capitalized on if used correctly. And I think history has shown us that, you know, as much as we don't like it, they're never going to push Zack Ryder to a higher level than he deserves to be because the fans really like him. So I think Mojo Raleigh being the guy that they developed in their own system at the Performance Center mm. is somebody that could possibly be poised for a superstardom, so I think a breakup is inevitable, and I think it would be a good thing for both of them. Alright, so we'll get on to the actual card. So the opening match for, um, saw new tag team champions crowned in the Usos when they beat the New Day. Um, Atlee, what did you think of the opening contest? Uh, in my opinion, this was match of the night. 
And I was a little nervous about that going in because I thought this was really a Hell in a Cell match just to have a Hell in a Cell match, but yeah. they really played on the fact that there was more intensity between both members of both teams. And I like Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods really stood out to me because, especially at the end, where he's beat, beat down by both Usos, he just had this desire that he wasn't going to quit. I thought he expressed that very well before they put him away for the 1-2-3, but I think it was a very well-worked match by all members involved, and for me, it was match of the night. Yeah, Oliver, did, did this match show that you can have a violent match without blood, without the need of blood? It was a bit. I think, uh, you know, I think it, it, it showed that 100%, yeah. Um, this is just an, another great match in the series that they've been having. Um, you know, they've, they've had amazing matches. SummerSlam had a good match on SmackDown, and and this is a tremendous match at Hell in the Cell. And if the feud ends here, uh, you know, what a way to go. But hopefully it never ends, because <laughs> it's tag team wrestling renaissance, really. It's brilliant. It's like the IC title last year, and the renaissance it had under the Miz. Do you see this being the end of the feud, or do you think the Usos might move on to the Fashion Police for a couple of months and then renew the uh, feud early next year when it's meant to be a documentary coming out about their feud, or a, a special for the network? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Um, I think in, in terms of this, I think it was the uh, was it the Usos' last chance. So if it's the Usos' last chance and the talks have changed hands then that means the New Day can have a rematch, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I guess it might not be the end of the feud, but it would have been the end of the feud if New Day had retained. So. Atlee, at um, Starcade, they're possibly going to have a Texas Tornado match. Do you think New Day will win it back that soon? I don't think they'll really do much on Starcade because, um, as of right now, it's not going to be on the network. They no. really have no big plans for it. Starcade is just a means to compete with a convention in the same state that's about 100 miles away. Yeah. So I don't think they'll do many title changes. They might do something at Survivor Series, but I don't think Starcade will be the place for any real significant changes. How about Usos moving on? Do you think, so you think they'll move on to the Fashion Police, or do you think they'll be the New Day will get a, another... We'll get the return match tonight, maybe, and then... I predict that New Day will get a return match tonight. Yeah. And then I think the Usos will go over, and then they'll move on to Gable and, and um, Sheldon Benjamin, because remember when the brand split first happened last year, American Alpha and the Usos were having really good matches, and I think the same thing can be had with the inclusion of Sheldon Benjamin being swapped out for Jason Jordan. Right, so we'll move on to um, the next match was Randy Orton beat Rusev with a RK out of nowhere. Um, Nick, do, um, do you see the logic in Randy winning this match? So I'm a bit torn. Um, at the time when I was watching it live, I was pretty annoyed because I'm, I'm a massive Rusev fan. Um, I was happy and I think, I think his quality, I think he deserves better. Um, so part of me thinks, right, his folks just lost two matches in a, he's just lost two feuds in a row to Cena and Orton and we're in 2017. Then the part of me thinks he's lost two feuds to Orton and Cena who are two of the biggest stars in WWE still, probably. They're still two, let's face it, they're still at the top of the, the peg board of WWE, let's face it. So is that really, is that really a shame that he's losing those guys? It's not like he's losing, say, clinging to many people around him or even just below him. So you can say that at least he's having, at least he's involved in those feuds, type of feuds there. Um, 
but I think he definitely needs to win the next few to um, keep him looking big. So it's a shame because he really is. Um, so I loved his run when he was with the United States title well, hold that year when he was under Peter Brady for John Cena. Oh, it was a quality run. Um, so it's uh, it's let's see. I could I'm sort of with the fence of both things. I still like that they are keeping this archetype of nowhere going. It's still it's it's not to accept. It's still the best one of the best finishes in WWE. So when Orton hits it, it's it's going to end the match as well. So there is parts of me that obviously also they need to still respect the RKO so to speak as well um, because they've obviously built on some sort of the RKO where it's going to it's going to end the match basically um, so there's that as well but no I, th- I think it's a, it's, a, it's a position where now Bruce uh, he's lost a couple of minutes to the season and also that he needs to really win the next one and um and maybe even try and get into maybe even a feud with maybe even a feud with Baron Corbin maybe 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 a face turn essentially um, I mean a feud with Corbin for the Intercontinental hmm. Atley do you think um, Randy should be putting over the next generation at this stage of his career or the next generation of heels at this time in the abstract I say yes but at the same time as I believe Nick mentioned the RKO out of nowhere gimmick is vastly popular which by osmosis really makes Randy Orton popular, and WWE has always been very protective of when they beat Randy Orton, Mm. so I think they're just keeping him hot right now until they have an opportunity to have him put over someone that's going to hopefully become a new star, and remember, we heard all the rumors throughout the summer that Baron Corbin is Vince's pick, and then got cooled off a little bit by internet rumors and what have you, but it looks like... Um, things about the ties that might have changed in a positive way for Barrett Corbin. So, if it is Orton and Corbin next, I think Orton will probably end up putting over uh, Baron Corbin. Well, we'll move on to the triple threat match for the title. Um, so, um, during the pre-show, um, Daniel Bryan added Ty Dillinger to the match. Um, Oliver, were you, ha- were you happy with the inclusion of Ty? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's tough to see that happen because... Um, you know, on the No Mercy review show, when we was predicting uh, the Hell in the Cell matches, I, I thought Tidy Ninja would get put into this as a triple threat match. So I was happy my prediction was correct. Um, and, and just because he's, you know, extremely talented and the fact that they'd been trading wins and losses and he'd kind of been in the, in the mix, really. So it, it made sense to do it. And I'm, yeah, really happy to do that. He was put into the match because he definitely deserved it. So um, a new WWE US champion was crowned in Baron Corbin. He stole the pin from AJ Styles after he nailed the phenomenal forearm. Um, Atley, do you think Baron would be a, a good choice to be US next US champion? You know, I don't really know because I think, in, again, it was a good choice considering it's somebody new. Yeah. But now we have to see his body of work as a kind of lead antagonist and a lot of people in July when he had a match with Shishuke Nakamura a lot of people thought it was a bad match and a lot of people thought it was bad because of him so I wonder if there's been enough improvement where depending on who he works with um, that he won't have to have bad matches and if he works with Orton again I don't think he's going to have bad matches and he'll actually learn a lot from working with somebody like Orton so it all depends on how they use him, though. That's the big question. How will they use Baron Corbin? And Nick, do you see AJ moving into the t- WWE title scene? No. Um, I don't know whether he will, but I hope so. Uh, I hope he's the one that, uh, to throw into the hall. Um, I, I think I'll take bloody um, James Ellsworth taking over the hall. But um, <laughs> now, um, 
I, I, I hope Styles does. I've, I've still got my high hopes on Styles McAvoy for WrestleMania. Well, I'm sure most people do. Um, I, I hope he, Styles is the man that does the, the, the front call. Um, I, I, I don't know whether Nakamura's done the, um, the... Maybe they might even make it, I don't know, maybe some sort of triple threat match there. Obviously, Styles is going to get his rematch for the um, Intercontinental title. I suspect it will probably be on SmackDown before Survivor Series sometime. Um, and it, 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 you'd probably like to think Corp will go over. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully we might get Styles um, in the Hall at uh, Survivor Series. Right, so next up was the SmackDown women's title. Natalia retained after she grabbed the chair and whacked Charlotte in the her injured knee for disqualification. Um, Atley, were you d- disappointed with the end of this match? I was disappointed with the entire match. Yeah. Now, it wasn't really a bad match by any stretch of the imagination, but when you've seen these two work, you know, in the past, they have knockdown dragouts. They always have good matches, and it was the kind of pairing where when you see Natalia versus Charlotte on the lineup, you're like, okay, this is going to be a great match, and it mm. usually is, but I think the dynamic of Charlotte being the heel, and Natalia being, uh, excuse me, Charlotte being the babyface, and Natalia being the heel this time around, uh, changed some of the dynamic, and plus, um, they really just couldn't go all out like they usually did, because they had to work the leg. Natalia worked Charlotte's leg, and when you're kind of handcuffed with a certain story you have to make the most of it sometimes you do and sometimes you don't so it definitely was a departure from what we've seen from these two in the past do you think charlotte will win the title once rick flair is well enough to accompany it to the ring is that the story to tell him i think there are many more uh feuds uh, title wins in charlotte's future and i just wonder though i, I think she's a much better heel than she's a baby face so i'm just curious as to when that happens do you think they're trying to keep the four, the, like the four horse women, all face at the moment, just in case this match against the UFC horse women happens? Oh yeah, and they're, and they're smart to do that because there's a ton of material within that feud that writes itself. Because you know, basically Ronda Rousey made the four horse women for UFC, and there'd be no horse women if there were no horse men by Ric Flair. Mm. And Charlotte Flair kind of say she really has claim to it because her dad made it. So there's a lot of material you can use, and I think it's wise of them to keep Charlotte as a babyface going into WrestleMania if that match happens. Alright, so next up was the Fashion Files with Brizango. So, Atley, you actually hold a victory over Fandango. I do indeed. <laughs> when, he, when he wrestled as Johnny Curtis. Um, do you have any memories of that match, or is it? My memories of the match, for me personally, it was like the first time I really got comfortable yeah. working the crowd. Yeah, so um, what was some? Uh, we'll talk a bit more about your career now. So, um, tell us about some of the gimmicks you've wrestled as under the years. Uh, when I first started, I wrestled as the Gra- Grappler Three. Uh, wore a mask. It was a spot just to kind of fill in. Yeah. At the last minute, the guy that was originally Grappler Three couldn't make it, so they said, "Hey, kid, you have a similar build <laughs> to the real Grappler Three. Do you want to wear the hood?" And I said, "Sure, why not?" And then. I did a good enough job in that match where they wanted to keep me as the the grappler. Hmm. And then I started showing, um, you know, some good sides, some theatricality in my matches. And the promoter eventually was like, we got to get you out of that mask and into something else. And then I had a giant afro at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, it was like, the afro was practical joke big. It was ridiculous. I showed people pictures of it and they think it's photoshopped. <laughs> and, and so then... 
uh, the gimmick was I got a gold sequin jacket, purple sequin pants, and they were just like, oh, mean Biggie Green. Mm. And the gimmick was I would scream when you pulled my hair, kind of like Norman Smiley back in the day. But also, the afro was big enough where I could hide weapons in my hair. <laughs> so I would hide, I literally hide pencils in my hair, pull it out, stab the wrestler in the eye, put it back in my hair. No, but like when I worked, when I worked with Johnny Curtis, aka Fandango, we were both just breaking in at that time. We were both only about a, a year, year and a half in the business. Yeah. So and we both knew a lot of the same people, so it was a fun time overall. So do you prefer to work heel? Is it? Oh yeah, it is much easier to work as a heel. I almost, I hate working as a babyface, but <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, I'm too good of a heel, and the promoter always eventually changed me to babyface, which I like, but at the same time, it's like once you do the big babyface change, and you got to do everything as a babyface, and it's kind of hard because, again, you can't do as many heel tactics, and on top of that, you don't want to take away from the actual heels that are still on the roster on the card, uh, so it's, it's kind of like a fine line you have to walk, but I prefer to work heel any day of the week. Just, just wondering from a uh, you know promoter's perspective about the trials and tribulations you faced uh, over the years as a promoter. Oh man, well, yeah, I started re- I started running wrestling shows in two thousand six uh, because in my area, Massachusetts, there really weren't that many wrestling shows. Uh, but the ones I saw, um, they weren't really the best quality of show. And when I would go to the shows, I'd always I couldn't help myself but critique the show. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? You know, why would they put a wrestler in this position? Why would they tell that story? So eventually, I was like, well, maybe I should do something about it. So, you know, I promoted the show. I, um, I did everything the right way. I talked to a lot of people in the area. Talked to Bob Evans. Talked to Sonny Goodspeed. Talked to all the people that have had much more knowledge than me and came before me and just asked. How, you know, how should I do this? Do I have even any right to pro wrestling fan, pro wrestling show? Because I'll tell you right now, for, for every wrestling show that does things by the book and how you're supposed to do them and does things properly, there are about five wrestling promotions that do things, you know, the way they shouldn't be done at all. So I really want to be a promotion that not only put on entertaining shows, but also do things the right way, you know, by whoever you're working with as far as the building, but also right by the boys as well. So I, there was a lot of research going into before I started running my own show. And my first show was a relative success. I only drew 96 people, but I actually made $18 on the show. (laughs) So I didn't lose money. (laughs) But then I, I think my, the worst night, um, one of the worst times as a wrestler was, um, I was going to run a show, uh, for a boys and girls club the day after Thanksgiving and, and I had the talent booked, I had the ring booked, I had everything all set to go. And then, um, the building, uh, called me, the owners of the building called me Wednesday night, the like day before Thanksgiving and told me, Oh, we're going to cancel the show. And I was like, wait a minute, I've sold we sold almost 300 tickets. A lot of families looking forward to the show. What's going on? And it's like, well, um, we need a lot of people complained about it, so we have to cancel the show. It's like, how many people are complaining um, that you know, like that we have to cancel it if I've sold 300 tickets and it's all people in your community? And they gave me like a BS reason, so I had to cancel the show. But what stunned more than anything was I had to tell 
all the wrestlers on very short notice that, okay, unfortunately, I'm not going to have the show. Therefore, there's no work and there's no pay. And then the wrestlers, you know, they, that means because of the cancellation, they've essentially missed out on other booking opportunities or they could have gotten some extra hours at the Clark Kent job. And it was really just, and you really hate delivering news like that. And of course, I ran one show where the ring, the the, uh, the middle rope broke uh, halfway through, and then three quarters of the way through, the top rope became very loose. So it was almost sumo-style matches for the rest of the evening. Yeah. <laughs> Brain stuff. Oh, uh... Alright, shall we get back to the fashion files then? So... <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> So is is the case of who destroyed the office now closed? Is that what we get from them? Because they seem to. Uh, uh, I've lost it. It must have been. I've lost interest in it. Oh, it's gonna. It's meant to be Harper and Rowan. They're meant to come back and (laughs) they they destroyed the office. See if Harper and Rowan don't come back and destroy the office, I what? want money off you and well, that, That's closed. They've got a new case now. <laughs> the new case came in and it's got it's open. There's rumours going around it could be something to do with gold dust because it was gold, even though he's on yeah. a different show. It's a good show. <laughs> what about uh, what about British strong stuff? <laughs> <laughs> So did if you they turn up all in gold, Nick, then yeah, maybe. <laughs> right, so we'll, we'll move on to the WWE title match, um, Sinji Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal. Um, Nick, did you enjoy this match more than you did the SummerSlam match? It was better. Um, um, it was better, but again, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. Um, it made Nakamura look a bit weak. He's supposed to be this indestructible um, force of, well, this absolute incredible athlete, which he is. Um, and they make him lose because he hurt his, he hurt his knee trying to finish it by only hitting the rope or whatever. You know. <laughs> Again, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the ending. Um, obviously, I know with um, both the, um, the Singh brothers were rejected, but no, I really did think it was going to be a Nakamura win before the match. I was, I was really hoping it was going to be. Um, and so I think the, the, whilst, I, whilst I was happy they gave him a whole the run, it has just gone a bit sour, really, hasn't it? It's, let's just face it, it's not really an enjoyable run at the moment. Um, it's created a bit of heat, don't get me wrong, uh, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, more in a, we can't actually stand watching this on, on television anymore, sort of thing. Um, so I'm not trying to diss my because I think fair play, given a chance it was being refreshing, you know, it was actually well open to the idea, but it's just gone, especially since, um, since the, um, sort of since, since Battleground, really, it's just gone a bit, as I say, just a bit sour, I think, the whole, um, the whole run. So, Atley, as a promoter, what would you do to try and get over Jindam Hall? I would do something a lot differently that they're doing right now, because... The way I look at Junior Mahal, it almost looks like he's stuck in a time warp compared to everything else going on SmackDown Live right now. Because you look at SmackDown, everything's current 2017. You look at Junior Mahal, it's very 1980s, Iran Contra, Iron Sheik, Evil Foreigner. And it's like, wow, like they're doing the Evil Foreigner gimmick as far as the United States perspective goes. And they're not doing anything to refresh the concept. And... And I think it was Jinder Mahal was done from the beginning because if I was going to push Jinder Mahal, I would not have put the title on him right away after losing, 
you know, for years and years and years, I would make a story out of it and build him up mm. for a couple of months, have him rise to the ranks before he finally wins the championship. Uh, and then people will just forget about the fact that he was a, you know, a job guy all this time, but that's not what happened. And no one's really taken him seriously since day one, and no one's going to take him seriously because I really can't think of one standout moment Jinder no. Mahal has really had since he's been WWE champion. Would it made more sense if he won the title now, if the whole point of him being champion is for this tour in December? Build him up for a couple of months and then he wins it in October? Or win it in, th- in India? <laughs> I think that would have been uh, much better because you build him up as just a, a guy that's undefeated. I have cut a promo saying that, you know, the rise of Jinder Mahal starts now. Have him beat people. Have him, you know, shocking win over AJ. Mahal get shocking win after shocking win until he finally won the championship, and I don't know what WWE is going to get out of Jinder Mahal being champion with only a two-day tour in December. I'm thinking they can get the network now, can't they, in India? So, and I don't think it's pushed up the numbers that much. This whole and he's been champion for like four months now. <laughs> I think, in all honesty, though, going back to what Atley said, he did get shocking win after shocking win before he became champion. But only, but he only got like two, didn't he? Didn't he? What well, didn't he win the? Uh, he won a, si- a six month six, a six, six pack, pack challenge. Yeah, but the people in that match were like Harper and Rowan, Mojo Rowley. I can't remember who else in that match. But Sammy Zayn was in that match. Sammy Zayn was in that match. Yeah, and and then he beat Sammy Zayn after in a one-on-one match. Sure, and then I think he beat AJ, didn't he? I, I think he beat AJ on the way to winning the championship uh, for Lauren, uh, but I think it was too short a time because the week before he won that six-way, he lost in three minutes to Finn Balor on Raw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see what I don't know whether I dreamt this or did I read it somewhere, but I, I'm sure the plan for Jinder at WrestleMania is a handicap match between Jinder and teaming with the Singh brothers against Mojo and that football player who helped him last year, what was his name? The, the Grunk? Uh, Ron, Ron Gronkowski of the New England Patriots. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so how much of a demotion is that match from being WWE champion just six months before? Uh, I don't think anybody here would really care about that match, especially Gronkowski right now is injured and it comes to uh, American football um, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind and yeah. no one's seen Gronk right now because he's dealing with an injury So, and plus the NFL and the Patriots are really upset that they reluctantly gave him permission mm. to do that bit, so I don't think they're going to be doing that again as long as he's an NFL player Alright <laughs> So next uh, up was thing about the, Sorry, the Indian tour um, Chris is they, they did the same thing with the X Division title and Sanjay Dutt, so it could have worked if they changed the title in India and then recorded it and put it on the network, for example, regarding Jinder Mahal becoming champion. Yeah, I I I, I thought Jinder was going to lose because the, the the advertisement for the, the India tour advertised them as a two-time WWE champion. <laughs> So I thought he was going to lose it and then win it back before the tour. That's why I thought he was going to lose last night. Well, when's the tour? December. So can he lose it at Starcade? I thought he was going to win it back. Back quite quickly. Maybe. We'll move on to Bobby Roode versus Ziggler. Um, Why is Bobby Roode in the toilet break match, anyone? (laughs) Surely this should have been... Out of two matches, I thought Bobby Roode should have gone on in the second and Orson, possibly Rusev, should have come on here. 
I mean, I said this to Nick when we were chatting during the pay-per-view. Um, there's just something about Bobby Roode and the WWE. It's just not, it's not clicking with me, to be honest. Uh, you know, like James Storm, you know, came in before him and went into NXT. Uh, obviously, the entrance is amazing. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a good wrestler. But, I don't know, it's just not clicking with me. So, that's why I guess this match was in this place, but on the card. Or on his WWE pay-per-view debut, he deserved to be in a more of a showcase kind of situation as opposed to, like you said, a so-called toilet break match. Yeah. Atley, what did you think of Ziggler's promised, really special entrance? <laughs> I was definitely surprised because I thought it was going to be just an extremely loud fireworks show with <laughs> lights and everything. And of course, I ended up liking the fact that there was just no Titantron, no special lights, just no music, no nothing. I, I did, I liked it a lot. I would have had him in less, I would have had him in just black trunks. They're like a young lion from New Japan. I thought that, that would have been more effective. Or just have him black tights, but not have any, any pictures on it. Just have him. So what did you think of the ends? Do you think he should have, we should have got the glorious bomb finish rather than the pull of the tight sequence? I mean, they only did that particular finish, I feel, because, as we saw, the feud must continue. Yeah. And I thought this would have been a great way to, you know, kind of push Bobby Roode even more by getting him to win. And then if the feud must continue after, just make Ziggler even more upset that he's losing to these, quote, new era guys. And then have him maybe attack Roode on, uh, Ziggler, attack Roode on SmackDown. But I didn't like the whole... You know, hit with the zigzag after the match. No, we we need to celebrate Bobby Roode. I think because he's was he in his early for, early forties now, so we're not going to get many years out of him. So yeah, they, should, they should push him to the moon for the oh, few years we have out of him. Right, so I mean, that's, that's the kind of the way I look at it too. Because WWE looks at a lot of their guys now; they're in their upper thirties or even early forties, like a Roode, like a Styles, and they don't think long term about those guys because of the age, and they're kind of hoping to push like a real young guy as the next Cena or Austin or whatnot, but I agree with what you guys said, you know, you can only have him for a limited amount of time, so push him to get as much out of him as you can. And if you look at main eventers back in the day, in the 80s, early 90s, they were only main eventers for a couple of years, apart from Hulk Hogan, <laughs> you quickly go back down the card to put over the next generation. So maybe I think the key thing regarding the zigzag uh, after the match as well is he was like really annoyed that he got out cheated. So from that perspective, I thought it made sense personally. Yeah. Right, we'll move on to the next match. Was the false count anywhere? Hell in the Cell. Shane McMahon versus um, Kevin Owens. Um, I thought it was a great match, but it was very long. Forty minutes long. I would have preferred if they skipped the whole, all of the in-ring action and just had them fighting outside the cage the whole time. Um, do you think of that, Atley? I definitely agree that the match is really too long. And it set in um, once uh, Kevin Owens was about to was teasing the frog splash off the top of the cage. I was that like, was, well, that was, one, he's not going to do this. That was amazing and when he was looking over the edge and I was, I was feeling it with him. I said, I wouldn't jump. I wouldn't jump. I was having a heart oh, in my throat. He sold it. He sold it very well. But that was the moment that made me realize this match is going on a little too long. Yeah. But I loved how they kept fighting on top of the cage because it gave me memories of the 
Nightingale in the cell with Taker and Mick Foley. And yeah. while you have to think the cage, the top of the cage is reinforced, you never know when you get human bodies just being slammed on that thing constantly. And they were being you slammed know? in the same place, or at the same panel, over and over again. I was like, oh, that's got to go. And plus, um, Owens kept hitting his uh, shin on the on the on the beams. Yeah. So he kept holding the shin every single time. Like, I, I felt bad for him because he's supposed to be selling his back, but his legs had too much pain to ignore. So where do you think this ranks in like a Shane match against his classic match against um, Kurt Angle? Oh, I definitely um, think when it comes to Shane McMahon matches. It, that are violent car crashes. I think <laughs> the angle matches the standard, but I think uh, honestly, I think what really made this match um, really a standout was the action on top of the cage and also the finish. Yeah, so we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about the finish now. Um, Nick, um, what do you think is behind Sammy's motivations for helping his arch rival? Well, I think the, uh, the, the I mean, it was first and foremost to WWE. Uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant ending to the show. I agree the comments there about the match, uh, but no, I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually watched a, a pay-per-view and was so keen to watch the following well, Raw or SmackDown, in this case, SmackDown, after a pay-per-view. Um, so, all credit to WWE. And, um, and also, I think you know when you've, got time, when you've got a good moment in um, wrestling when you actually break a bit of kayfabe yourself and you shout, No! <laughs> so, it does, I think, so... Uh, uh, it, I mean, better play than I remember the last time I actually got so hooked into a, into a match, to be fair. Um, so, no, it was, um, I think, Sam, behind, so to actually answer your question, that's behind Sammy's motivation. I think the obvious thing that springs to mind is not given an opportunity by any McMahon mm. ever in WWE. Because obviously, under Raw, it was obvious that Steph hated him. And then on SmackDown, Shane doesn't exactly, he hasn't exactly done anything on SmackDown. So, I think that's the obvious spring that springs to mind. I don't think it will necessarily be, um, um, that he'll do it, he did it because he didn't like the way Owens were. He could even, he could even also be uh, part of it. I don't like the way Owens is getting treated. It could just be um, the way that the guys that you could even argue that the guy. There's so many ways he could have motivation. But I mean, the obvious thing that springs to mind is um, the way that he's been treated personally on SmackDown since the of the whole of WWE as a whole. Um, and he could also then blend into a bit. I don't like the way he treated Owens as well on SmackDown. So. Um, I think that the, that's the obvious thing that the one, but I'm just saying I'm really intrigued to see how it goes on SmackDown. It'll be interesting to see how the storyline develops going into, um, I think the obvious thing that's going to go into Survivor Series is maybe a 5-5 or even a, a tag team match between Shane maybe and you could maybe do Shane and maybe maybe Styles, but then obviously Styles is yeah, I probably got something with that. I heard a rumour today it might be Shane and the New Day versus Owen, Owen Sammy and the Usos. Okay. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Um, yeah, that could work. All right, so, Atlee, what were your final thoughts on the show overall? So. I thought it was definitely a, a good show overall. I would give it slightly a thumbs up. I don't think there's anything that would hurt on the show. Uh, I definitely feel people actually have been different on a particular show by having this entrance the triple threat match. And they tried to tell different stories. You got a very different Hell in the Cell match with the Usos and the New Day than you got from the Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens one. Yeah. Kevin Owens match. And also with Natalia and Charlotte kind of working the leg. They tried to tell several different stories to make um, one entertaining overall show and I thought they did a decent job with that. Yeah. Uh, Oliver, what are your thoughts on the show? Uh, I really enjoyed the Usos versus New Day. 
Um, I thought there was some horrendous book decisions, um, kind of from that moment onwards, uh, in different ways. I thought Nakamura should have beaten Mahal. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, yeah, uh, that was probably the major one. And Rusev should have beat Randy Orton as well. Um, I'm quite shocked that never happened. And then I really enjoyed uh, Owens versus Shane, uh, the Hell in a Cell. And much like Nick, I was, although it's been speculated about online and stuff, I was shocked to the core that Sami Zayn helped out Kevin Owens mm. to, uh, to have him win the match. I think it helped, I didn't go in any other, was it on like wrestlers? Because I say I didn't usually, I, I don't know, it's because I just had, I, 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 I've actually gone off like looking on wrestlers and stuff from now on, I don't know. And it's not just because I don't want to see the spoilers, I just generally just haven't really looked on it for a long time. Um, but no, it was, I'm pretty chuffed. It was actually probably the first paper I really just refreshed wrestlers only all day on like a Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty happy that I actually did because it made me say I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed in the slightest the same was going to do that. So it actually made it made you sort of feel like a, a true wrestling fan again. So maybe I might stop doing that more often. <laughs> it was such a chore trying I to go through. Was, sorry, Chris. I think it was on a Twitter poll that I saw it, Nick. It said, "Do oh, you no. do you think um, Kevin Owens? Sorry." Do you think Sami Zayn will help Kevin Owens? Yes, no, or like maybe kind of thing. So yeah, I saw it from that really. But as I say, I mean, with those moments though, yeah, the reasons why we love wrestling because I can't remember last time I actually got involved in a WWE. I get involved obviously in progress matches a lot, but I've never actually got that passion involved into a wrestling match. Shout sign during it. <laughs> uh, I know it's uh, it was it was decent. you're listening to Okay, so before we get into our predictions for TLC, um, Atlee, do you want to plug your website? Uh, yes, um, if you guys want to, anybody wants to check out my blog, uh, definitely um, hit me up at thegreenscreen.net, green with the E at the end, where I blog mainly about pro wrestling, but also about comics, uh, movies, and all sorts of other stuff, but it's mainly a pro wrestling site, and I also do some work for uh, forcesofgeek.com, where actually tomorrow my review of the New Star Wars The Last Jedi trailer will be up, so definitely check out those two places. And of course, on Twitter at Atley Green, feel free to drop drop a line, say hi, and follow me, and I'll follow you right back. I'm so excited. Two months, only two months to go till episode eight, so. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, you do comic books and superheroes, so who is your favorite superhero? I, uh, superhero? I flip flop between Superman and Captain America. <laughs> and who's your favorite superhero gimmick of all the time? Ah, oh, superhero gimmick. Uh, one thing I do like about the superhero gimmick is the, the Flash. Yeah. Is that I always like his internal sense of optimism, besides the fact that he runs so fast that he can stop time, go back in time, go forward in time. I just really like Barry Allen's um, overall sense of optimism. Like, he never gives up hope no matter what, and I and even Superman, who is like a beacon of hope, has had some dark times, some dark days, but Barry Allen's always in the fight no matter what, and that's what I really like about the character. And what's your favorite superhero gimmick in wrestling? Oh, man. Whew. Uh, de- definitely uh, Arachnaman. Oh, I was going to say Arachnaman. <laughs> that, that, that was very original for sure. Yeah, then, then Marvel threatened to sue Ted Turner or WCW, so it was quickly removed from television. Of course, <laughs> of course. And then, of course, if you saw the unreleased WWE DVD, uh, we had the Toxic Turtles. <laughs> oh, yeah, I watched that. <laughs> Toxic. So, uh, lots of uh, great superheroes. Well, obviously, number one is the Hurricane. 
Oh, yeah. of course. Like, first, to be honest, a hurricane's got to be number one. <laughs> Alright, so we'll quickly finish by predict, um, doing our predictions for TLC. Um, three matches announced so far. So, um, Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Um, Atlee, who do you think is going to win this match? I'm going to go with Alexa Bliss all the way because whether she's been on SmackDown or Raw, WWE has just had a real fancy for Alexa Bliss. And to her credit, she knocks it out of the park more times than not. So, I think Alexa Bliss is here to stay as the Raw Women's Champion. Yeah, there is rumours that they might give it to Mickey just so Mickey can lose it to Oscar, and then which sets up a Bliss Oscar feud. Um, Nick, who do you think's gonna win out of um, the Shield versus Braun Strowman, Miz, and the Bar in a TLC match? Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think I think the Shield. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, probably the, the easiest one there. You can't you can't really hide them, tell them to lose. Uh, yeah, the Shield all the way. Um, Oliver, who do you think is going to win this match? Uh, I can't believe that they booked a four-on-three match, to be honest, and, and put Strowman in that position because that would have easily worked as a uh, you know three-on-three. Yeah. And, and put Strowman into another match. It was that's a shocking decision that's been made by WWE. Yeah, the rumours I heard going in to yesterday that it was going to be Braun Strowman versus Matt Hardy. <laughs> that's really random. Yeah, randomly. That could, cause, that could cause Matt to go broken. Or, or awoken? Is it, is, is it <laughs> That's awoke? a good show, Nick. Yeah. Um, I just want to share my thoughts on the Alexa Bliss, uh, Mickey James uh, match and stuff. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not happy with how this storyline is at all. The, the fact that they're talking about Mickey James being um, like older than Alexa Bliss and they're really playing on the the whole, and she's older, a lot she's older 36, and stuff. I think, is she? She's my age. Exactly, so it's it's just maddening, really, because, like, the uh, the key to professional wrestling, I'm sure Anthony will agree with this, is you build up your opponent, you don't break them down, because if you break down your opponent before you, you know, you wrestle the match, you've broken your opponent, so who have you actually beaten? That's very true. So, it's... Uh, it's maddening what they're doing in terms of the, the women's title. It would be a really good match, I'm sure, but the, the storyline leading up to it is, is much like the the one that they called it with Mickey James, and that was horrendous as well. <laughs> yeah. right, so the, third, the third match announced is that Emma's won the right to get squashed by uh, Oscar. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I can't see anything but a squash match here. So. The way Emma's been booked over the last couple of months. In all honesty, they had a cracking match at um, NXT TakeOver London, didn't they? Yeah, I, th- I think Emma's so, amazing. So I don't see why she's not being used better. They produce something. Sorry, Chris. I, said, I, th- I think Emma's amazing. I don't see why she's not being used better. So. Well, I think if you're going to split um, Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder up, give give Emma to, to Zack Ryder as a, uh, like a manager valet. <laughs> and then we'll see if we can go up the card. Because I think those two together would be, you know, dynamite. So what about some of the other matches? So we've got no Brock for TLC. He's coming back for Survivor Series. No Cena either. Um, what about the Cruiserweight Championship match? Who do you think is that going to be? Will he? Uh, I can see them doing Enzo and Kalisto again, or maybe some multi-man match involving Enzo, because despite you know, what the ratings have been, Enzo has been really good in that heel role, so I think it would behoove WWE to keep him mm. in that heel role. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, What's yeah, it? I agree with that. Me, I think it'll be Kalisto against Center. Do you yeah, think I it? Agree. Do you think it's going to be Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt in a dress? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or do you think they're actually going to bring somebody in as a Sister Abigail? <laughs> we did actually ask our Twitter followers who they'd like to be Sister Abigail, and 62% of them said Paige. Paige. It's a good show. I, I, I'd like them to bring somebody in new, so my, my, my choice was Sarah Logan. She's already got the accent for it. Now, let me ask you guys a question about the whole Paige Sister Abigail thing. Mm. If they did bring in Paige as Sister Abigail, do you think they would acknowledge that she was. Page a long time ago, or do you think they'll just not acknowledge Page the character at all and just act as if this is a new character? Kind of like back in the day where the one-man gang turned into Akeem and all sorts of other stuff? That was, that was the best turn it. Did he just go into, a, <laughs> just go into the alley as the big man, one-man gang and come out and have a little voodoo ritual done on it? <laughs> um, I, think, I think that that's, that's how they'd explain her not being on telly for the last so many months. She's been brainwashed that's by that's Bray White. I think you could play into obviously her being off TV and the reasons why she's been off TV and they could do a positive spin on the, me- you know, the media uh, articles that have came out and stuff, and that could be like a downward spiral into the character, maybe. Mm. And then that's how she becomes Sister Abigail. Yeah. Other other suggestions from our Twitter followers were um, Rosemary and Sienna from JFW. Rosemary would be really good. I'm not sure about Sienna. Atley, I, do, you, do, you know this, do you know who Priscilla Kelly is? She got suggested. I've not heard of her before. I'm not too familiar with her now. Yeah, but I've, I looked at her profile picture, and she—I think she'd fit the bill. She's gorgeous in a gothic way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, any other matches you think should be on the TLC pay per view? I think most of the main events have been taken up in this one three-on-four handicap match. I mean, they'll probably do something with Jason Jordan. Uh, so what they'll do, I don't know, because they still have to keep him relevant, considering he's Kurt Angle's son. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. Who's sure, left? Who's left? It Elias? Maybe Jordan versus Elias and some. Like, yeah, it could be Jordan. That would make sense. That really, really makes sense. In a guitar match. <laughs> they ain't gonna put. I don't think they'll put Elias against Jordan. No, to be fair, guys. I, I'm struggling to think of Elias, and they're trying to build up Jordan, aren't they? One hmm. of them's gonna lose. No, but we're really struggling because. Can't think who's on Raw that isn't in the main event, can you? Well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's dodgy. Maybe they'll do like a number one contenders tag team match. You could maybe have the revival versus. But they seem they seem to like Matt, Matt and Jordan as a tag team at the moment. Yeah, you could maybe him. do Matt and Jordan versus Galazans, so maybe like some sort of table match. Um, uh, or, I don't know. Cause you'll see they usually tend to have a ladders match, a tables match, a TLC's match, a chair match, uh, and a stairs match. <laughs> Maybe a ladder match for the cruiserweight title between Kalisto and Enzo. Mm. Yeah, we could have that. Um, and if he does this lead with Del Sol, um, that'd be pretty cool. Mm. Off the ladder. What did you say about the chair stipulation? The chair. Uh, Natalia. Oh, no, sorry. It would have worked for that, but um, that was smacked down. <laughs> well, you could even do maybe the uh, Bliss versus James in a, in, a ta- in, a ta- in a chairs match or a tables match, maybe. Yeah, because she had a tables match against the Becky Lynch last time around, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. they haven't put any stipulations to any matches apart from the, the handicap matches TLC. So, yeah. 
I think it's a difficult one, Chris. Just ask. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. CLC matches it just for the pinfall. It's not for a lot of tag time purposes. So does it? it it's it's no, yeah. it's just a pinfall. Just a bit for a pinfall just match. Yeah. Yeah, when, they had, when they had their first match against Ryback, Kane and Bryan. Yeah. Yeah, it was pinfall. Cool. That was quality. That was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they didn't put Strowman in it. I had it as the Miz and the Bar versus the Shield. They could have put all the titles up. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. They, so is the only title going to be defended? Oh yeah, Club Cruiserweight Championship as well. So, uh, so huge thanks for Oliver and Atley for joining us again. Love to have you both on again in the future. Um, Nick, I'll leave you this last question. Are we going to have Colonel Sanders in the new WWE game? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes.